Welcome to the Postcard Academy, your weekly travel and culture podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Megatel, and I am back in London. I feel a bit like I cheated on my city with Mexico last week, but I am very happy to be back in the UK, and my mother is visiting me, so all is well. Before we jump into our interview, I'd like to thank all of you who have already subscribed to the show, and to those of you who have left a review on Apple Podcasts. I love reading them, and your feedback means so much, so thank you. And a very special welcome to you new listeners. It's been especially fun hearing from you. I've actually been hearing more from the guys, and I'd love to hear more from my fellow female travelers out there. In fact, I just wrote a blog post on Medium titled, Women Don't Need to Be in Crisis to Travel. Not long ago... A guy asked me if I was traveling so much because I had a divorce to work through. And it was an innocent enough question, and I don't blame him for it, because most films and books out there about female travelers are about women in crisis struggling to find themselves. And yes, those stories are important, and they've inspired many people, but a lot of us already know who we are. In fact, that's a big reason why I started this podcast, to share more stories of women who are out there exploring this world simply because they want to. My guest today is one of those women. I'm speaking with travel expert Gemma Patterson from HalfTheClothes.com on how to house it around the world. We break down the best and worst house sitting sites, how to write a profile that will get homeowners to choose you, and other important information you need to know to get into house sitting. Gemma has been wandering the globe nonstop since 2010 and just started a podcast called Ticket to Blog. That's Ticket, the number two blog, the no BS podcast on how to be a blogger and a nomad without losing your mind or selling your soul. We literally talked for hours, so I narrowed down our conversation to focus on house sitting, work exchanges, and other ways where you can score cheaper free accommodation around the world. Even if you find the idea of living in someone else's house insane, hopefully you'll still get some educational value out of this episode. Now into my conversation with Gemma. Welcome, Gemma. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited. So where are you from in the U.S. and where are you right now? Well, I grew up in the Wild West, basically. I was literally a coal miner's daughter. I grew up in Wyoming, which is the least populated state in the nation, which is unusual because it's enormous. It's the ninth largest state. And so it's just really super isolated. It's two hours from my little tiny Wyoming town, not even that tiny, like 20,000 people, to the nearest shopping mall. Wow. So, um, and six hours to a proper city, like the closest city is Denver. And that's, there's as many people in Denver, actually now double the amount of people in Denver as there are in the entire state of Wyoming, right? So, I grew up in a place where there's plenty of boredom on hand to turn you into a wanderer. So that's sort of my my background, short version. So when did you start? So I have this I have this story that I always tell. Um, my my coal mining father had this schedule. They're kind of like nurses in a way, you know, like they have these twelve hour shifts, right? And so a cool thing about having that lifestyle is sometimes you can sort of finagle your days off and you can get them all crammed together and suddenly you can have like a week and a half or even two weeks off work. So I got to do a lot of camping with my family growing up, long camping trips, not just for the weekend, like going out for a week and a half. And my dad's always, he's definitely an explorer at heart and always wanting to see what's around the next bend. So I picked that up from him on all of our hikes. And then when I was eight, this is the story I always tell. When I was eight, 
we went on this trip to Canada to to the national parks. And when we were coming back into the U.S., you know, you're getting checked at the border. And as a kid, this means nothing to you. And I'm standing there, bored out of my mind, and I see the Welcome to Canada sign. And I realize if I were to walk over and be on the other side of that sign, I would be in a different country than my family. And what, like, how cool would that be? Like, I would go by to another country by myself as an eight-year-old, right? Like, that's what's going through my eight-year-old brain. That is pretty cool. So, I don't even ask. I'm just, like, going for it. Like, I'm definitely going to put my toe on the other side of that line. And so I start walking, and my parents are like, no, what do you, no, get back here. What, where, why are you still moving? Stop moving. What are you doing? And the, I'm sure the border official is like, you jumped the going border. on with this family? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got in so much trouble for that. So, I mean, maybe I started wandering when I was eight or something. I know that excitement because as an adult, I was visiting a friend who grew up in East Germany and Mm. we went for a walk and then there was like this pole that just marked where Poland began. I was Mm -hmm. like, I can just walk right over into Poland. (laughs) So I did. That's the only time I've been to Poland was stepping over into it for like a few minutes. But, it's uh, funny how much we care about these imaginary lines, but they're pretty deeply significant, right? Yeah. So you left for New Zealand much farther away in 2010. Why did you choose uh, New Zealand? So when I finally left the U.S., I'd actually quit my desk job like oh, six months before that, maybe. And I had these great adventures and I went sailing for weeks at a time with friends and these crazy places in Canada and Washington. And But I was having a lot of American adventures. I spent a summer going to a bunch of weddings. And after six months of that, my partner at the time and I were getting like a little nervous about money. Like we both planned, okay, we're going to quit our jobs and travel, but we have to go to these weddings first. So we'll do that. And I guess we'll do these other things. And I guess we'll do these other things. So when it was finally time to go abroad... Um, why New Zealand is because we looked at some options and we thought, well, we probably should start out our abroad adventures with some work. Because um, a lot of a lot of people who travel abroad, like you, I mean, money runs out, right? Right. So we were looking at working holiday visas, which is uh, programs that you can like Canada, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand, and a couple of other places give you an opportunity to come and be, you know, sort of migrant labor in their countries, and also teaching English. But South Korea was like two months to get the visa and we just we didn't want to wait. And we both love the outdoors. I think we probably ended up hiking like 500 kilometers at least of the backcountry trails in New Zealand. So New Zealand was um, was our choice because it was fast and it wasn't too expensive. The visa for Australia is maybe double that. And then, um, of course, we could just be outside all the time. Very cool. So how long did you stay? I was in New Zealand for a year then I've been traveling since then ever since I mean my goal was to travel for a year and then I just never stopped so would you say that you have a particular home these days or is home just Mm. everywhere it's really been everywhere for eight years it's which is kind of crazy I mean I worked this six-month job in Australia working industrial construction and I had to get on a plane and fly a thousand miles to this mine site in the middle of nowhere in the desert and I'd work there for 28 days and then I'd fly back to the city for six days and you know so 
I mean, technically, I had this address in Perth, Australia, but I was never there. Technically, I lived in this like little prison cell at the mine. (laughs) 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 I would love to hear more about the prison cell. Actually, before I move on, tell me more about that. Yeah. To house people. I mean, this is a thing in Australia, right? Like Australia is very, I don't know if it'd be fair to say underpopulated, but it's about the size of America. America, don't quote me, but, you know, 300 million plus is how many people live in America. And Australia has, oh, I'm trying to do the fast math, one fifteenth, 20 million people-ish. I mean, really? a little bit more than that. Shucks. Yeah. So, like, there's nobody there. And there's also kind of, oh, I hope no Australians are listening. I don't mean it this way, you guys. There's kind of nothing there. I mean, they've, like, the most beautiful coastline in the world best kept secret more beautiful than any beaches i've ever seen in thailand or indonesia or the philippines australian beaches are hands down the best but the whole middle of the country is just totally empty right so anyway there's this long tradition of going to the and then empty except for all these minerals so all these australians are going to the middle of nowhere and working and they even they even have a word for it, FIFO, fly in, fly out. Like people are working FIFO jobs. Okay. And this has been going on for decades. You, you've got to house people, right? They can't go home at night, but you need to do it cheaply. I mean, I talked to some guys who were doing this in the 70s, and they had like really hard, intense housing conditions, if you could even call it that. Now it's a lot better, but basically they just divide a shipping container into four rooms that have a bed and a bathroom and a desk and a closet and like I mean can you imagine how big a shipping container is and now think of it so like it's four people's lives so you're <laughs> so. just living in the middle of nowhere in a shipping container <laughs> like is yep. it a kind of a party atmosphere or uh, is it just like how long would you do like I guess I'm trying to think why would you do this is it just a quick way to make money and then you can move money. on money okay. yeah so I don't know people are like I, am I being rude talking about money? I'm just going to tell you. Like, tell me, tell I had me. I had this, like, plebeian job, um, and I made about $10,000 a month as just a total plebe, right? So, like, that's one hundred and twenty grand a year being a plebe. The men that I was working with were making two, three times that. So it's so much money. It's just this – it's an irresistible amount of money. I mean, talk about golden handcuffs. My God, I could do that for a month. I mean, right? then you can go live well, in Slovenia for like the year. But that's what happens is you do it and you're just like – this money is just coursing through your life and you just keep going like I could do it for a few more months. I could do it for a few more months until you do it for like 20 years. But it's pretty, it's pretty soul-sucking, honestly, to live mm-hmm. in like a prison cell and never see your friends and family – and like you don't get to build relationships with your friends and family and everybody you're with is also in this situation. So, you know, I, I don't regret it, but I definitely can't really recommend. And anyway, the whole the whole point of this question was like, you know, do I move around or do I like did I live there? Is that where I lived? Did that count as living somewhere for six months because I left every 28 days for a week? Or did I live in the city because that's where I got mail? I don't know if I. Yeah. I don't know where I live, if I live. I think you don't need to have a permanent home. Why not? People keep asking me that this year because mm. I, uh, you know, usually I live in London, but this year I want to try out digital nomad life. So I just want to yep. live in a bunch of places. Where are you right now? London. 
And but past April, I don't know. So I might go back to Italy or I might go to Romania or Slovenia because uh, my previous podcast guests have really, you know, influenced me in a positive mm-hmm. way about of these course. Places. So and thank goodness I have parents who are kind enough to accept mail. Do your parents take mail for mm-hmm. you? People ask me that question all the time. So no worries if you don't have parents that will do this for you. There are there are services. They're like 10 bucks a month. They'll get your mail for you. They'll take pictures of it. And then like anything you want them to open, you pay per piece that you want them to open and like scan what's inside. And all the junk mail, they'll just like put it in the shredder for you. But yeah, but yeah, my, my mom is a highly capable, really awesome person who will definitely get my mail for me. I really want to talk to you about house sitting, because I know that this is something that you do a lot to save money when you travel. So to start, what is house sitting? I think most people would define it as taking care of someone else's home and probably their pets while they're away. But I think that it's also important to remember that you're essentially living someone's life for them, right? Like, if their pets are on a schedule, you know, you can try and deviate from that. But I don't know if you've ever, like farmers know this, when there's daylight savings, the, the cows don't care that the clocks change. They're like, nope, this is the time we're awake and it's right now, you know. So I think that it's important to remember that house sitting is not just, oh, I'm, I've got a free place to stay and whatever. Like you're doing someone else's life for them, all these little components, and you're using all of the appliances that they picked out that are special to them and sitting on the furniture that they picked out that's special to them. You're so right about animals, and they've got their own little clocks. I was at my grandmother's house watching Shark Tank, and her dog, like, around (laughs) 9 p.m. was like, it's time for me to go to bed. I want to go to bed. Uh So, yeah, so I totally get it. So what made it motivated you to start house sitting and living other people's lives so initially okay I I do have to say I might have sounded from the last thing I said that I'm not into that I'm so into it I think that living other people's lives is I've got so many ways in my life that I do this and I think it's so incredibly fulfilling so I was doing this other thing living other people's life called a called a work exchange which is really incredibly fulfilling. You basically trade four hours of your time per day in exchange for room and board. And you get to live with a local family and you get to be part of the fabric of their lives. And it's just so cool and such an incredible way to explore any area. You have this instant network of friends and connections. It's really, really cool. But I'm an introvert. Me too. (laughs) But you wouldn't know it from hearing us. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Well, I, it's not like I don't like talking. I just need a lot of time to myself. Yeah, to yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I don't maybe you'll relate to this one. I'm also a people pleaser. Does that happen to you? Yeah. Yeah. So these super fulfilling situations where I'm in somebody's house and their life and like being a really great guest all the time gets pretty gets exhausting. Right. And I don't like hotels. I feel like they're super lonely. I do love Airbnbs, but also like none of us are made of money. Well, I mean, if you are made of money, I would like you to contact me and maybe we should be friends. <laughs> but, um, contact you us, know. whoever's out there who wants to be Airbnb <laughs> friends with us. Right. So that's how I got into house sitting is like, okay, I'm doing this thing that I really, really like, but I'm just not, I wasn't, I, I wasn't recharging as much as I really need to. And I wasn't focusing on my own 
goals. I mean, the first time I really, really started house sitting, I was in Australia and I was supposed to be getting a job because I had this working holiday visa, but I was having so much fun doing these work exchanges that I just kept, like, I just didn't make time in my day to job hunt, right? And the clock's ticking. Like, I have to get out of this country. Oh, gosh, now it's down to eight months. Like, I really better find a job so soon. So I went and did a house-sitting job for a week and a half. And after that, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is magic for me. I can do this really cool thing with people that's so fulfilling. And then I can switch to this other lifestyle where I'm still connected with people and, you know, I'm helping these people and I'm getting to know their neighbors, but also having lots of time to myself. So I loved it. So really quick before we proceed with house sitting, the work exchange, that sounds really fun. Uh, Is there a certain group that you would recommend? And what kind of jobs were you doing? The top two sites I would recommend are WorkAway and HippoHelp. WorkAway is, I, I actually used to not like them. (laughs) <laughs> but I, they've come out as the industry leader and they're doing a good job. And I really, I'm a pretty opinionated person. I don't know if that's become obvious. So I used to be kind of anti them, but now I love them. They're Why didn't you site. like them and what changed? I just thought that I didn't like their pricing structure. I thought that they were kind of like nickel and diming people. Workaway has totally changed. I can really feel like their values have shifted. They're not trying to squeeze you into like whatever. And their pricing structure is awesome, especially compared to what else is going on in that industry. So Workaway is great. And then this new guy made this platform called Hippo Help, and it's free. So you have to pay for Workaway. Hippo Help is free, but because it's new, it's still getting populated. So definitely, I would always, I always check out Hippo Help to see if it's what's going on in my area and then WorkAway's just been around long enough that it has most of the jobs so what you're doing in these jobs um it ranges enormously uh I've I've scraped anti-foul off the hole of a yacht in New Zealand which sounds awful it was great we had so much fun because we were with this super cool family and we're just laughing and joking all day um in New Zealand, I was giving a pony a haircut and just, you know, weeding the vegetable garden. Uh, I've milked sheep in Italy. Um, that was super fun and made cheese. Uh, that does sound fun. Oh, my gosh. There's so many cool things you can learn. And I've built a lot of things, fences, kiwi trellises. I mean, really just whatever skills you have that you can bring to a property. Because if you think about it, we're all basically these days trying to have our own village, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's you and maybe your partner and you've got your house with your two or three bedrooms and your couple of bathrooms and your garage and your cars and the toys in the garage and like never any time. Right. We're all trying to run our own little personal two person villages. And so when you join someone else's village and you show up in their life with energy to contribute to things that they never have time to get around to, they love it. And there's so many things to do that most most places you just get to pick what you're into. They're like, okay, here's the 10,000 things I wish existed in my life. What do you like doing? You know, and are you on your own or with other people? It depends. Um, Some places I've been, you know, you'll be there with a couple of other volunteers. Uh, I would say the majority, I'm, I or like the person I'm traveling with, the two of us are the only people there. But that's kind of a personal choice. Like I said, I'm an introvert. Like it sounds really overwhelming to me to be at a place where there's like 19 other workers and I'm working with them all day long. Right. (sighs) Scary. Okay. (laughs) 
Well, all right. I'm definitely going to check that out. Sounds fascinating. Where are you in the world right now? I just finished a house sit in Portland, Oregon. And before that, I was visiting friends in Philadelphia. And before that, I was climbing Mount Washington. And I guess I could keep going. But where am I now? Portland, Oregon. Do available house sits determine where you're going to go next? Sometimes. I mean, I'm sure as a traveler, you relate to this. Like, is there one thing that determines where you're going next? You know, I, I've lived more of an expat life than a digital nomad life. You know, I live in London. Mm -hmm. That's where everything is. I still love traveling, but London is mm -hmm. like my home and my base. And then everything else tends to be, you know, a weekend or a week. Or if I'm doing something like more slow travel, two months in Italy, say. But I haven't... I haven't lived the type of life where you're living, where you're oh. always somewhere else and you don't really know where you're going to be in six months. So for me, this is a completely different world. Okay. So I just got the impression like, oh, look at how much she's traveling. And I just did that funny thing where you assume everyone else is just like you. <laughs> so. I'm an asp aspiring Gemma. <laughs> okay. So so sometimes I'm in like mostly house sitting mode, you know, like I'm working on a project or something and I just want to mostly be house sitting but then you also we all want to spend time with our friends and family right so I'm, a lot of times I'm thinking about where those things fit in I went to um, circus school for six months of 2016 so I I did a little bit of house sitting while I was in circus school wait a minute like, circus school I know are... crazy right <laughs> what made you decide to do that are you performing now Oh, I wanted to do it my whole life because who doesn't love to play? I mean, oh, it's so much fun. Really, really fun. Um, I'm not performing because similar like this ties in with what I was just saying. When are performances? They're nights, weekends and summer times. And I really value getting to spend a lot of time with my friends and family. And when are they available? Nights, weekends and summer times. So I love circus but I love my friends and family, maybe not even that much more, just a tiny bit more, but enough that I'm not a circus performer. <laughs> so you, it was just something you always wanted to do and you made it happen. Yep. That's so cool. Back to house sitting. <laughs> Is that what we were talking about? I'm pretty sure that's what this was supposed to be about. Yeah, house sitting. Great. Let's do it. What's been your best experience so far? Mm, good question. Um, I don't yet have any like, this like French villa mansion in the countryside where I got massages and fed by the butler every day because I guess the butler would be taking care of the house. <laughs> <laughs> You're just watching the cat. I think probably my favorite house sit was in Kansas City. And I think I just loved it because the homeowner was really cool. She was just so fun. Um, I actually went to Kansas City for a storytelling conference earlier this year, and I ended up staying with her, and she's just great. She was so fun to be with. Her cats are really cool. Um, she's you know lives in a beautiful neighborhood. Kansas City's just such a, such a cool city, and it was the place where I took my first trapeze lesson. So I think probably that could be the whole reason. Was that <laughs> before City. circus school? Yep, it was. And Kansas City, so you went back there for storytelling, but what made you interested in Kansas City? Not knocking it, but it's an unusual mm, choice. Isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? Uh, I have a friend who lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and so I was just trying to find something that would be relatively near her so that I could coordinate a visit with her on either side of the house at 
So how much money do you think house sitting has saved you over the years? Gosh, that's really hard to say. Um, Okay, I kind of try to think about it like this. Because, I mean, what you're really asking is how much money could someone else save, right? Yeah. Like, okay. So my personal life is just this mix of so many variables that I wouldn't dare try to extrapolate it and apply it to someone else. But, like, okay, let's just say average rent in right now, like, and the people in my little echo chamber is, like, maybe they're paying 200 to $400 a week in rent. Um. And so if you just multiply that by, I don't know, if you're house sitting for half the year, like that's five to $10,000 you're not paying in rent. So, I mean, if you're really house sitting full time and it works out for you that you're kind of bouncing from sit to sit to sit to sit, yeah, maybe $20,000 possibly. I love this idea of discovering the world just by going to available house sits. Mm. But uh, how, how difficult is it to score a house sit? sitting opportunity I imagine it's quite competitive especially if you're wanting to do it in like London or something like that um it is it depends um yeah if you're wanting to house it in like a really popular area the the homeowners post an ad and then they get so many messages that they have to like take the ad down right so that happens or even if it's not in a really high demand area, if there's like a six month house sit in rural Minnesota, six I, people underestimate and you're a traveler. So you'd relate to this. People underestimate how much mental energy it takes to travel. So I have a friend who just got back from Italy and it was her first trip abroad. And when I said, OK, I asked her, what did you learn? You know, I mean, aside from like the fountains and whatever, like what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about travel? And she said. It was so exhausting <laughs> and you just don't think about all these little micro decisions that you don't have to make in your daily life like you don't have to wake up and think okay now where's the bathroom and do I need to bring toilet paper with me and how do I get coffee and how, what's the word for it again the kind that I like oh I need to look that up oh but the wi-fi is not working I think I forgot to get the password what time does the front desk open like all these tiny little decisions that you don't really think about it until you need to go to bed at like 7.30 p.m. because you're so tired, you right, know? Right. So what should people do if they're interested in house sitting? Step one, think about why. If you're only interested in house sitting because it's a way to get free accommodation, um, that might not be quite enough to enjoy it. There are these two women who uh, run a thing called the House Sitting Academy. They're these cool Australian women and they train up house sitters and they really talk about how important it is to be service minded, which I as soon as I heard them say it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Because uh, you're helping other people with their lives. So if you're not excited about that, you probably won't have a lot of fun house sitting. You know, if you're thinking yeah. more about what you're going to be getting out of it, it actually won't be that fun for you. Right. And I'm guessing you would have to be a pet lover because this probably involves a lot of pet sitting, right? Definitely. Yeah. If you don't love pets, certainly there are house sits out there. Like I just saw, I got asked to do a two week house sit because this guy 
has this super crazy fancy studio, recording studio full of like hundreds of thousands of dollars of recording equipment. So he's basically terrified to leave his property unoccupied. Okay. <laughs> but so I mean there's that and he was not advertising on a platform. He that was like through a friend. So there are sits that don't involve pets, but generally most most sits do involve taking care of a pet. And then after, so after you know that you, why you want to do it and you're on board with that, then it's great to get experience um, because homeowners need reassurance. So you can just reach out to your friends and family and tell them, hey, I want to start doing this house sitting thing. If you guys are going away for the weekend, be sure to think of me. Like I'd be happy to watch your dog or whatever, just to kind of get references so that they'll have something to say about how you were with their pet. Um, You can get on, there's a platform called Rover, which is not really a house sitting website, but it can be, and it's very location dependent. So there's a Rover for your city where you are and you can walk people's pets on their lunch, like for their lunch, or you can sometimes have them in your home. There's, there's ways to take care of other people's pets on Rover and get paid for it. So that's a cool way to start. And then, um, and then, think about what you want in a pet or in a house set eventually. Like, do you want to go for a long time? Are there locations that you're really interested in? Um, and then eventually you'll have to join a house sitting platform, but I encourage people don't commit to a platform until you find a house sit on it that you really want. I mean, maybe it's not going to get work out. Don't think that you're going to pay your 50 bucks or 117 if you're a certain platform that I really don't like uh don't think that you're just gonna pay that money and then like definitely get that house it but that's a that's how I decide which platform I'm gonna sign up for right at that minute can we talk about your favorite house sitting sites um so my favorite so I actually wrote I have a, a really popular house sitting article called the best and worst house sitting websites and I think it's popular because um there's a lot of dishonesty specifically around house sitting websites with house sitting, man, I just feel like every article is like, Oh, this site could be good. And this site could be good. And this site could be good. And nobody's saying, here's what sucks about this site because all of these most house sitting websites have affiliate programs. So if they, if you convince somebody to like take the leap and use this platform, then you're going to get some money out of it. Right. And so it's just very disappointing to me that there's so many articles out there that are just going like, oh, yeah, well, I could see how this one would be good. And I mean, I said before, I'm way too judgmental. So probably I could stand We're to honest. be a little bit honest. Perhaps? <laughs> Is the word honest? Like, well... We need some honest reviews, right? We if we're living somewhere, we don't want to end up in a horror show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, sometimes I ask myself maybe if I shouldn't be quite so ruthless, but you know what? The way it is today, I am. And so I thought somebody needs to write about this stuff, especially because um, I I guess I'm going to tell you my wor- my least favorite one first. Everybody was raving about trusted house sitters, and I think they're the worst platform. Okay, that's not super fair to say. Okay, I hate they I think they nickel and dime people. I think they're one of those websites that's trying to constantly force you to do things that you don't really want to do, like putting up little walls like, "Oh, yeah, you can do this as soon as you do the thing we want." And they're $117 last I checked, which is like double what some of my favorite websites are or like triple. And 
I just don't think they provide a great service. Like, yeah, their website looks pretty and they'll say that they some won some award for design. But like when it comes to actually looking through house sits and functionally trying to find a place to house it, it's awful. They let homeowners make these profiles that say, I'll need a house sitter someday. So you might search like Portland, Oregon and go, oh, cool, there's 70 house sits. And then like you're clicking through the ads and it takes a lot of time because their setup is not good. And then you realize 68 of them are people who live in Portland that at some point in time will need a house sitter. But like there's actually only two house sits in Portland, you know? Yeah, so, so it's anyway. not easy to navigate. But I guess they've won the marketing war since they're the most popular one. Mm, I have faith that if there are enough of us who start talking honestly about this and also just people's experience, I think once people keep having this experience, hopefully, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that, but I do have favorites. Um, House Carers is my favorite. Um, And just because they've been around for a long time, I've never personally talked to the guy who runs it, but he has a super good reputation among all the house sitters I know, like people who have met him or engaged with him sometimes. He's just got really good values. He hasn't put his prices up in years because he's like, this is what it's worth, you know? And I mean, he could easily start charging more, but he hasn't done that. And the platform is well done. Like everything that you need from a house sitting platform is there. I do have to say that it's old. I mean, it's been around forever. And if you, I don't know if you know anything about tech, but like each time you're iterating in technology, you kind of have to reorganize these massive amounts of data. And it's really hard and really expensive, which is why you get some of these websites, not just house sitting, but like kind of any website in the world that's, you know, really usage heavy. And it kind of looks like it's still 1990s because it's really hard to make the shift to pretty. So that's kind of the only thing that I don't like about them, but I really, their ads are great. I'm, I don't feel like they're wasting my time. I'm never clicking on something that isn't relevant to what I want. So yeah, house carers is great. And then Nomador. Oh, sorry. Before we move on to Nomador, how much is house carers? The fee? 50, 50 bucks a year. And I mean, he's got to change it someday because of inflation, right? But it's been like that for ages. And I have no reason to believe that it'll be going up anytime soon. Okay, great. Thank you. And then Nomador, how much is Nomador? Oh, I'll tell you, free. Okay, not like 100% free. You have to pay people for their time and effort that they put into making something really great for you, right? But it is free for your first three contacts. So if you find a house sit on there and you and it works out with the one of those first three people you reach out to, then it was free. Great. And then um, the other thing that Nomador, Nomador does that nobody else does, or at least not that I've found, that I really like is they let you have a quarterly membership if you want, and that's 35 bucks or yearly is $90. So that's really cool because if you're just, if you're thinking about house sitting, like eh, probably, maybe, I don't know, I guess I'll try it. It kind of sucks to be like, okay, I'm committing for a year. This is an entire year membership, you know? So I think it's really cool that they kind of just let you do this tasting fee. And then because they're newer, they have a really pretty website and they do a really good job, as good as house carers, I would say, with like just having all the information about a sit really quickly, visually accessible, so you're not digging through ads. And, oh, and they protect house sitters. I think this is really critical. Another site that I don't like is housesitter.com. And readers write in all the time asking me about this. Um, a lo- other house sitters I know are getting, they're on that site and they're getting spammed. Like they're getting homeowners writing to them that are that it's actually 
a spam thing and, you know, potential like identity theft issues. Good. So Norm Nomador protects house sitters from that. They won't let homeowners click around and look at house sitting profiles unless they've had their identity verified. Like I think they, they have to send in like a picture of their passport or something. So that's super cool. And then they also, oh, and Nomador has this two-way review system like Airbnb, right? So like all the other platforms are like, what did you think of this sitter, right? But there are crazy homeowners. <laughs> what yeah. did, well, how about what I thought of you? Because that's important too. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about safety concerns because, you know, you could be going, I don't know why I'm having like these nightmare thoughts in my head. <laughs> I'd be like just showing up. And then it just actually being a crazy person. But in reality, I guess Airbnb is the same thing. It's not like they're running, mm, doing these extensive, mm -hmm. you know, background checks on every, anyone can just start an Airbnb today. Really. Mm -hmm. Yep. So anyway, I, I like that Nomadar has that two-way review system. That makes sense. And then you, you asked for three. So the third one is not a house sitting platform per se. It's this thing, I think I mentioned it before, called the House Sitting Academy, and before I go into talking about this, let me just tell you, it's money. Like it's like uh, $197, but I think they're having to put the price up soon because they've been, it's these, these those two Australian women that I mentioned earlier, it's like their whole life's work. Like right. they're full-time house sitters. They've been doing it for years. They're really good at packaging, like how to do this. And, and so I actually found them randomly and I reached out to them and said, oh my God, you guys are doing such a good job with this. And I'm never going to take the time to package all of my house sitting knowledge. Like I would like to connect other people with what you're doing. Like, tell me more. Let me look at your products. Let me see, like, let me see what you're doing. And yeah, it's like... There, so this house sitting academy thing, the just the the PDF of like what you're what you go through in the academy itself, it's nine pages. Like just the outline is <laughs> nine pages of here's what it covers, and they're really um, they're really small. Like they only let ten people in at a time, so they have time to give individual attention to every person and answer every single question. And then the reason I I think of this as like a house sitting platform in my head is because at the end of it, you get into this secret Facebook group where, because let me tell you what happens as a house sitter. Okay. This is, this is a great example. I just, this house sit that I just finished in Portland, Oregon, this woman needs a house sitter for March 15th to April 15th. And she's like, would so love it if I could come back, but I have a different life to live March 15th to April 15th. And that's, what's always happening to house sitters. Like all these homeowners are always asking us to come back they really liked us and they want us to be their person again, but like it just, the schedule doesn't work out. So this Facebook group is where people are posting sits from homeowners that have asked them. And it's cool because you know that the home's like not going to be crazy, right? You get to talk to somebody who's house sat there before personally, and that can tell you if there's any like quirks or whatever. And these homeowners also know what they're looking for in a house sitter. That's something that you don't necessarily get on a platform. And then, you know, if there's a communication issue, it can turn into a drama, you know? So, so the housing and Academy isn't a platform, but it's definitely good. I would even consider paying just to have access. Last night, I saw one on there for, um, I don't know if you know San Miguel de Allende. San Miguel is like this cool expat enclave in the mountains. Anyway, I saw, I like, I was like, Ooh, should I go to Mexico? <laughs> Could I go? So anyway, it's not, it's not a platform, but like people in this Facebook group are always giving jobs to each other. And it's, so it's way less competitive than a platform. And you can get access to that secret group if you go through the house sitting academy. 
Exactly. Yeah. And um, the Academy not only talks about the uh, like how about how to become a house sitter and how to market yourself and should you have your own website and like all of these and then how to deal with house sits and what's your checklist and how do you deal with homeowners and what you know what to do if this emergency thing happens. It also talks about like this nomad life. I think they interviewed like 60 people. So they've got a, you know, 30 to 60 stories about how people who are doing this in their twenties and people who are doing it, who are retired and couples and singles and old and young and all that jazz. Very cool. And so, yeah, you mentioned marketing yourself. We are sort of competing against other people for these houses. So Mm. do you have any tips on what would make a good profile? What are some things we should include? Yes. Uh, Put yourself in the homeowner's shoes. Think about what you would want to hear. Don't sit there and write like what I want to say about myself. Think about, okay, I'm about to hire a house sitter. What do I want to know from them? Hire is the wrong word. A lot of these are unpaid, but like, you know, I'm about to select. Um, And then answer the prompts. Like I'm shocked if I play homeowner on these platforms and click around. I'm shocked at how many people just have like a two sentence thing like, oh, yeah, I'm Tom and I like dogs and would love to house it for you sometime. So don't be that guy. Don't do that. Um, And then, yeah, just talk about your experience with pets. Did you have them growing up? Do you have favorites? And, And then again, with like being an animal lover, say it if you're an animal lover. There's a woman who has a cool website where she blogs about her house sitting experiences it's I think it's called really truly living.com and she talks a lot about what's involved with um you know caring for pets and how to I, I don't know if she talks about profile stuff but um and then home care have you have you been a homeowner can you empathize with being a homeowner I mean I've never owned a home but I certainly know what it's like to take care of property and do you do you have experience with like spas are you do you have any skills are you like you know, handy. If something breaks, are you going to be able to fix it? And not, not that that's required, but something to put on your profile if you've got it. And then what will it be like for their pets? Like, what will the experience be like for your, for their pets? Cause a lot of times they're like nine to fivers. So it's fun to tell them like, I'm going to spoil your pets like crazy. I'm going to, I'm working from home. I'm going to be there all day, cuddling them all day long. They're going to love it. Like your pets are going to think it's the best thing that ever happened to them. And, um, and then what will it be like for their home? Like, how do you, do you tend to pick things up? Do you tend to get the dishes done? Do you, I mean, I don't know if I'd go mentioning that I didn't, but if you do, if that's, and that's the truth, like the neighbor's never going to come knock on the door and be like, whoa, big mess in the living room, you know, like say, say that. Those are all good ideas. And uh, so say we get a house sit, our, what should be on our checklist of things to ask the homeowner just to make sure everything goes smoothly while we're there? Basically, uh, day-to-day operations. Like, what do the pets need? What do the plants need? What What do you need? What about the mail? How does that work? Home security. How do they like their house to be secured? Um, how the heat and AC work. I usually have them give me a tour of their house just to see it from their perspective because they'll – I also don't like – opening 5,000 different cupboards trying to find a cheese grater or a certain type of, you know, sheet or pillowcase or something. So having that tour really helps you get oriented to somebody else's stuff and space. Um, Find out if there are any quirks. Like uh, it was really helpful to know at this one place, for instance, that the freezer would pop open really often. So like to be careful not to let the freezer run really hard because it's hanging open. Um, You know, where are the cleaning supplies? Uh, Wi-Fi limits. In some countries in the world, Wi-Fi is not unlimited. So you need to know if you like it's okay for you to be on Skype for an hour with your family. 
Um, and then emergencies, like how to deal with pet emergencies, vet phone numbers. If they if the pets ever gotten lost, was it easy to get them back? How do they do it? If there's like an earthquake or something, how to shut off the utilities? If there's a fire, uh, that how to turn off the electric panel to the house. What's the what's the local nine one one? Not every country uses. Most countries don't use nine one one. It's like triple zero or triple one. So just making sure you know those local numbers, and then info about their trip. Uh, emergency contacts while they're gone, any authorized contractors if somebody needs to come in and fix something. There's really, it's a lot. I mean, I always tell homeowners, this takes an hour. So set aside an hour. This is how long it's going to take to go over this. Have you had any emergencies or any scary house sitting experiences? Oh, man, I've been so lucky. So I personally haven't, but I've heard so many stories those women, those Australian women I was talking about, um, they actually did a podcast called House Sitting Legends. And they found, you know, scary can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So like sometimes taking on a sit where the homeowner tells you their pet is terminally ill and that might be something that comes up while you're there. That would be is, awful. Yeah. Yeah, intense. And then um, just today in that uh, secret group I mentioned from the House Sitting Academy, somebody was saying how uh, they found like hidden cameras, not, you know, oh. yeah, like, <gasps> this is so violating. That is creepy. Yeah. And if you're like terrified of snakes and you're house sitting in the Ecuadorian jungle, um, no you thanks. Know, yeah. Uh, and then there's this wild story. There's a website called PassingThrough.com, more house sitters chronicling their experiences. And they were in this crazy bushfire in Fiji. So they just got there. And all of a sudden, there's this wild wildfire racing toward the property. And they're like, ah. And then even more intense, you should definitely read this story. Uh, I think the website's called Above Us Only Skies. They were in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane, the biggest one on record in the Atlantic, and their story's crazy. Like, so they just start out in the morning. They know the hurricane's coming, right? Everybody knows. Everybody's been preparing. So, you know, they wake up in the morning, have their coffee. Okay, well, oh, the skies are starting to get dark. Okay, well, the hurricane's probably going to be about here. We be- I guess we better go inside and lock everything down. And then they're just sitting there as the storm is, like, growing and growing. And now they can hear, like, things hitting the walls. And now the mango tree is, like, in the pool. And now a tree fell on the car. And now the storm is like tearing at the doors to get in the house. And all of a sudden these doors come flying open and they go rush to try and close them. And the guy gets his finger smashed, Uh. like pretty much just right. And so, but uh, like you can't get medical care in the middle of a storm. So now they've got this drama with these doors and they realize they can't, there's nothing they can do. So they have to go essentially to a large bathroom right? It's like the size of a closet. They all get into this closet. He's like got this smashed finger. The storm is right outside the closet door. Water's coming in. Like water's maybe getting into the electrical outlets because smoke's coming in. There's just this raging, their ears are popping because the pressure changes in the storm. And they literally don't know what's going to happen with their lives. Like, oh, you should definitely read this story. It's so intense and crazy. Uh, above us only skies. It's it crazy. sounds yeah, like so. they made it, thankfully. Yes, they lived to write about it. Um, and it's really incredible. And thank God that's never happened to me. Usually things go well. Sometimes mm. you can have a horrible natural disaster. Yep, yep. Before I let you go, I would love to hear some of your other free accommodation tips. I know that you have also written about this on your blog as well. It sounds like you've done a little bit of everything. 
Mm. And so I already talked about the work exchanges earlier. That's my favorite. I want the entire world to work exchange. I'm constantly getting people to start hosting. I'm constantly convincing other travelers that it's the best thing in the world. Um, I feel like everybody knows about couch surfing, but maybe not. So couch surfing is this thing where if you're a host, you can say like, hey, I, I don't have much, but I have a couch to sleep on. Or you could if you have a guest bedroom, cool, like that's that happens, too. And then a traveler is like, cool, I don't I would love to sleep on your couch. And then you just connect. And I've couch surfed lots all over the world. So that's a cool method um, language exchanges are really neat. Um, I haven't gotten one to fit into my calendar yet, but essentially you're getting free accommodation and food in exchange for helping people learn a language better. And it's usually English and it's often like business people who need to practice their English for, to be better in their jobs. Now, where um, would you find one of these? Cause I do language exchanges all the time, but it was just like a mutual language, like a language mm. exchange where we're doing Italian and English. And so there was never like it would never would have occurred to me to do like an accommodation thing. So how would you find that? I know the one website that I know about for sure is Diverbo. And then, um, you know, there's, of course, like hacking your there's uh, there's lots of ways to hack your housing, like sleeping on an overnight bus or train, sleeping at the airport, um, camping and then this is becoming super popular sleeping in your car but not just I mean people are living whole lives now I feel like it used I've done this twice so I lived in a van in New Zealand for a year and then in the back of a truck in the U.S. for six months and I think you know like people are spending money on housing and instead getting to spend their time and attention on the things that they really really care about this is becoming a real legit genuine thing like these aren't just like weirdos down by the river anymore these are people these are authors i just interviewed for this project i'm working on jimmy buffett's tour writer like he's a journalist and he lives out of a van there's this baseball player daniel norris in the off season he lives out of a van like this is a way to have control over your time and attention and more and more people want to do it. Um, like there's a, uh, there's a woman who sh her goal is to inspire women to get out. And like, I know this is something that you care about, get out and do it, yes. you know, like seize the day. She's actually about to, her name is case. She runs a website called case of the nomads and she's doing a Kickstarter right now because she's biking 3000 kilometers across New Zealand just to inspire other women to go. I would love to talk possible. to her. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll tell you all about her. But yeah, so anyway, this is becoming a real thing. Like getting control of your time and attention by not paying for a place to sleep. And people, it's becoming such a big deal that I actually, I realized that if you, the big barrier to entry, right, is getting your vehicle to live in, right? And you can try like Craigslist or Gumtree or Trade Me, but it's really difficult to dig through all of that stuff and find just the thing you're looking for. So I got some of my tech genius friends to help fix this, and we're going to make a website called wanderlife.com was taken, so we have to like lose the M, wanderlife.co. Oh, I'm postcardacademy.co. Because yeah, I saw oddly, that. Oddly, somebody <laughs> has postcardacademy.com, and it's a school, like a I think a children's mm. school, I think. It might, maybe it's not even anything, it, whatever it's taken, but, um, dot co is cool. Yes. Oh, like it's, to it. it's totally cool. It's totally cool. So we're making this website called wander life and we just put up the like front page so that you can go there and 
get told when it's going to be ready and maybe even be one of our beta testers because we want to have a map where you can just see vehicles to live in, but then also, um, or get the money's worth out of the van that you have. Cause if you're selling your van, like Casey, the woman who's going to New Zealand to do that big bike thing, mm-hmm. she, her van's in Lincoln, Nebraska. And there aren't very many people in Lincoln, Nebraska who are like, Oh, cool. You know what? That's a great idea. I totally want to have control over my time and attention by living in a van. Right. Like, not so she doesn't have a place to tell people elsewhere who are totally ready that hey I've got this van and here it is and come get it and then like once you get it I talked to one woman this wolf biologist who lived in a Prius and she got a lot of interesting information about like how to make a table that hangs from the hatchback and you know kind of like we want to create sort of like a Pinterest section but that's like very specific and that you could even look up the make and model of your car and see exactly what other people have done with it down to like the measurements and then one guy even wants us to have a dating site of like people who are into doing the wander life so um yeah there's so many ways like just for like van living yeah I mean the word is van life but really like people live in trucks they live in buses they've converted old bread trucks there are tiny houses so anybody who's down to live the wander life can come to the wanderlife.co and you know check it out and try and find the thing that works for them your website is called have the clothes yep so what would what should we be leaving at home if we're living this nomadic life Um, So I just want to point out, I'm glad that we're bringing this up in the context of minimalist packing, because that's where half the clothes came from. There's a there's a quote that says, when you set out to travel, lay out all your things and then take half the clothes and twice the money. And I don't know about the twice the money part, but the half the clothes part is really important. My number one packing advice to you is don't pack it. Like, stop looking at all these packing lists where the person's like I have this really cool thing and you should totally get it too because you shouldn't like you're not going to start using things that you don't currently use you know if you've if you've have you ever used a multi-tool in your life okay and if you if yes when is the last time you used a multi-tool and if you don't know what a multi-tool is it's like a thing that turns into pliers but also it's like Swiss army knife but a little better you know, so like you, you're probably not going to start using one, you know, things It's a global world. You can get things that you think you might need later. So if you're if you are not absolutely positive, you're going to use something. Don't pack it. You can get a multi-tool in some random market in Thailand for like 20 cents and it'll be the same one that you paid $40 for at the at the backpacking or the hardware store. <laughs> go on. Go on. <laughs> I'm really passionate about this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's like, think about what you're using every day. Are mm-hmm. you wearing that entire closet of clothes that you've got? Or are you wearing mm-hmm. the same five things every day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't pack your whole closet. Right. So the only thing that I'm telling you, I really think you absolutely need, but even people are doing without this, passport. There's a woman, though, who's like gotten famous recently for like, somehow she's been getting on flights without I a passport. Like. Yeah, right? Um, Access to money. Although I definitely know and meet people who travel with like almost nothing. So you kind of, I mean, most of us are going to want like our really comfortable piece of plastic that gives us cash out of ATMs. And then something to carry whatever items you have with you. Not very many items, of course, right? You're not going to bring that much. So it doesn't need to be a big thing to carry the items. And then um, after that, I think nice things to have are other things to carry items. So I think it's great to be able to condense down really small. But then it's nice to have and I go I go nylon on all these things. It's nice to have a nylon um, day bag, like a backpack that you can 
put stuff in and take it on a hike and it doesn't have to be super comfortable because you're not hiking all the time but then it collapses down into just this tiny little thing it's nice to be able to expand if you're you know house sitting in italy it's nice to be able to have just a little nylon bag to go to the grocery store so you have something to carry stuff in that's true because they do charge for every bag yeah and then when i'm transitioning between like now's a perfect time i usually just have like a 25 to 30 liter bag and I right now I have about double that most of it's food because I just left this house sit and that's one of those expenses that I was going to mention that house sitters have like you can't buy in bulk you know and then you end up with food waste and you can't really take it to the next place with you because you know refrigerators or whatever so I do sometimes end up with almost as much carrying around as much food with me that I'm like going to eat soon as I have clothes and whatever else yeah so something to eat on the train or whatever you're transport Mm -hmm. is easy access that's that's a very good idea and then uh you don't have to have travel insurance i mean when i was younger i just went that's so dumb it's basically gambling i'm not giving them my money but after like busting my ankle off of after jumping off the top of this jeepney in the philippines and after bursting my eardrum uh snorkel or scuba diving and recently i just cracked a tooth that sucked uh Thank goodness I had travel insurance and was able to go to the dentist. <laughs> so was that in the you US? know, yeah, I was um, about to climb Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Literally 24 hours before departure, I'm eating these crackers. Oh god, I feel like I'm getting old now. Like who cracks <laughs> teeth? I and it just really there was a loud noise in my mouth and my it really hurt and I couldn't believe it. Like a chunk of my tooth had literally cracked off and now I'm supposed to be out in the wilderness for three days in a row climbing the cold the mountain that like the day before that was the coldest place on earth that's cool that travel insurance picked that up and to be honest i'm surprised could you share which policy you generally use i when i'm doing shorter trips i tend to go through this website called insuremytrip.com they are great if you're going on trips for less than 90 days because you got to be really careful like insurance companies they don't like the unpredictability generally. So like most insurance companies, you need to buy the policy before you go and it can't be longer than 90 days because that's just too much risk for them. So when I'm doing a shorter trip, I, I get a policy through insure my trip. When I'm doing a longer trip or like I knew I was mountaineering, I knew I was climbing a mountain and I knew like that something could happen to me and that I would want good insurance. So world nomads, they're pretty well known and that's who I use most of the time for any longer trips longer than 90 days and anything like I'm climbing a mountain. Um, so I had gotten a policy with them and I don't want to say I'm still waiting for the check to come. So, but I've, I've made travel, I've never not had a travel claim get paid. So if that happened to me, I would be so incredibly surprised. And then as far as long-term, do you just, I think my mom, I can hear her in the background of me saying, like, (laughs) find out more about the health insurance in general, (laughs) if you plan on being in the U.S., for a long time. Do you ever do any sort of annual thing? Because I was taking a look at how expensive healthcare was in the US if you were like a solopreneur. And it was crazy. Like, I, mm. I couldn't afford it. Well, I feel like that's one benefit of being a nomad. So to qualify for a travel insurance policy, you have to be 100 miles from home. And my home, technically, like where I vote and like resident, I'm... Uh, 
Wyoming or not Wyoming. That's where I'm from. Uh, Arizona, where my parents live is technically my home. And I do spend, I mean, I go and see my parents and like, I get my mail there and, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's my home. But like, I'm almost always a hundred miles from that home, you know? So I actually, for a long time said that I was just telling people, oh yeah. And this risk I have in my life is I don't have health insurance because it's so expensive in America. And then one night I thought I was like maybe getting appendicitis. I have this secret fear <laughs> appendix is going to blow up someday i don't so think I, that's irrational because I know. when i'm home yeah it's like it is something where you feel like a little pain and normally you wouldn't care and then you're like oh my god no i'm in america what am i gonna do it's gonna destroy yes. me yes okay so i was like Gemma, how expensive is this insurance that you keep just saying it's so expensive I can't afford it like can you wait a minute can you afford it so I checked and I was so embarrassed a travel policy for what I was doing at the time was $80 a month like I'm an idiot it was not unaffordably expensive I'm so dumb and even the one that I just got to climb Mount Washington hundred bucks a month compared to what my American friends are paying yeah oh my god that's so affordable much better my mom is gonna be so happy (laughs) (laughs) i'll just tell her all these different policies that i can use but um Gemma, thank you so much for chatting to me today uh you gave such great advice uh where can people find out more about you thanks for having me this has been really really fun to talk to you uh okay so let's see where can people well halftheclothes.com that's kind of my home on the interweb and then i'm starting with my one of my readers from that website she and i are starting that ticket to blog podcast so that's ticket the number two ticket to blog and that wanderlife.co i'm sure that my voice and uh, opinions will pop up there a little bit uh, does that answer your question? Where There's to so find much me going on? Yeah. Do you want people <laughs> to follow you on social media at all? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, you can. Like, I'm sure I'll put on my Half the Clothes Facebook that I am on this awesome podcast and you should listen if you want to learn about these things. And I'm on Twitter and I just started an Instagram account last night. So <laughs> welcome. <laughs> yeah. Come hang out. I mean, but like, I, I kind of have a awkward relationship with social media. Like, I don't. I really want people to use their time and attention on the things that are most important to them. So I'm kind of hesitant to be like, go get on social media right now and follow me. I find that refreshing. That's very I don't want your time and attention. I want you to spend it on the things that um, there's a quote that I really like is that it's um, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go out and do it because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Brilliant. That's a beautiful way I, to end. Yeah. So don't come follow me on social media. Go come alive. And I mean, uh, sure. Like, if you want to see the inspirational, if you want me to see, like, I'm going to post that quote on my social media. If you want that in your life, then good. But like, mostly just be coming alive and not on social media with me. Hey, that sounds great. Thanks again, Gemma. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. By next week's episode, I will probably be living in a van down by the river somewhere. And if you got that Chris Farley reference, then I love you. Okay, for highlights from today's discussion, visit postcardacademy.co. To read my article, Women Don't Need to Be in Crisis to Travel, head to Medium's website. 
On next week's episode, I will be talking to artist Eric Wall about his expat life in Sweden and all the reasons why you should visit Stockholm this year. That's all for now. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful week wherever you are. Hey, let's continue the conversation. Head on over to my blog on Substack for more content on how to thrive through better communication, stoicism, and global exploration. That is right. Blogging is cool again over on the Substack platform. There you can chat with me in the comments, and I have plenty of bonuses for paid subscribers, or you can just read for free. So click the link in the episode notes to access the Substack Live Without Borders.